Hello and welcome to Homestead Hens and Honey, a beekeeping, chicken keeping and general homesteading podcast. I'm your host Gemma and today I'm going to talk about what goals I'd set for myself in 2019 and what I actually managed to accomplish. Before I get started, I'd like to give a little homestead update. Uh, We had our first snow here in Northeast Ohio with some pretty cold temps. We had, you know, night temps in the low 20s. Uh, We had one day when we dipped into the single digits at night, but thankfully only an inch or so of the snow actually stuck and the roads stayed clear. Uh, My township did a great job with um, salting and gritting, so it didn't have a huge impact on our regular schedule. Uh, The only downside for me is that I hadn't actually finished cutting back various plants or raking up all the leaves, so um, that kind of (laughs) got put aside. And it's not a big deal in the scheme of things, really. Uh, I did cut back most of my rampaging mint, which I dried, and then I sprinkled it in the coops. And I also put some in bowls around the house, sort of as a, a potpourri. I did get my roses cut back, uh, but I do need to mulch around the base. There's actually a number of beds that I um, I just use the leaf litter and I use that as a mulch over winter just to protect some of the, the more delicate plants and, you know, to it, it helps slow some of the weed growth when the weather finally starts to turn in the spring. Uh, a big downside actually is um, I left my tomato plants out. I wasn't paying enough attention to the weather forecast. The frost hit and it killed them. And I'm just kicking myself about it because I was really looking forward to growing them in my basement um, with my little pop-up greenhouse. But um, that's something I can try again. So I'm sorry, tomato plants. And uh, I will try to do better next spring. One of the worst parts about this temperature drop is that my hens are deep into their molt, which as a reminder for people, it's normal for chickens to uh, molt their feathers at this time of year and then they grow new ones. But as you can imagine, when they're losing those feathers, they're more sensitive to the cold and they're also cranky because it's hard to Uh, It's calorie dense to be building new feathers. Feathers are very high in protein. And when the feathers are growing through the new feathers, they come out in what we call pin feathers. And if you look at a bird, it's like little, um, almost like little sticks or straws sticking out of them. And inside is the feather. And at the core of that is actually uh, blood, which is what um, is part of the growing process and when these pin feathers are coming through the birds are very sensitive and if you actually break those feathers by accident like say you you went to pick up a chicken they'll bleed and um, they can actually bleed quite a lot and it's definitely not what you want so my poor hens the ones who were very deep into molt this cold hit so they're feeling the cold more they're cranky little babies because they have pin feathers everywhere and they don't want to be touched and they're just sort of not themselves um, and, and, you know, I'm used to this, so I always just, I increase their protein to help with the feather growth. And um, when it's cold, I give them cracked corn before dusk because it's meant to help raise their body temperature to help keep them warm. But of all my chickens, I was a little worried about my girl, Cracker. She's a white leghorn and she is queen bitch of the flock. Um, I don't want to call her a matriarch. When I think about matriarchs, I think of sort of like, oh, they're in charge and they're compassionate and all that kind of stuff. She's not compassionate. Cracker is mean. When she is upset with one of the other girls, she will jump up onto their back, grab them by the comb, push their face into the dirt, shake their head 
like violently back and forth, kicking them all the time. I mean, she is mean and they'll submit almost straight away and she'll still go at them to make a point. So she hasn't actually caused any serious damage or anything. If she had, I would, I would take her out, but I don't like it. I think she's harder than she needs to be. When Meatbutt was queen of my original little flock of just three hens, she never took things that far. And I kind of, you know, I would call Meatbutt my matriarch, whereas now Cracker's in charge. Cracker's just mean. But anyway, um, leghorns are quite lean chickens. They're not as fluffy, so their feathers are quite close to their body. And she was very patchy and threadbare looking from her molt. If you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen the pictures I took of her little stubble butt. She lost all of her big um, uh, back feathers and um, tail feathers. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for, tail feathers. And so she just had these little pin feathers sticking out and it looked so silly and she looked so sad. And she just wasn't her usual self that first really cold day. She was kind of miserable. She was definitely not bossing anyone around. I mean, she was eating and drinking. I made sure that she was. I gave her a little extra mealworms, a little bit more crack corn. I kept a close eye on her. Um, But she rallied. Having said that, I had a like an anxiety dream about her so I had this this anxiety dream that I went out to the coop and Cracker was lying on the ground looking really really bad and in the dream you know I like rushed over and I picked her up and she didn't really move and that was a bad sign because Cracker hates me and she will not let me touch her but in the dream I pick her up and underneath her is like a baby and it was like a miniature version of Cracker like a tiny baby white leghorn um and I have dreams like this a lot where I dream that I go out to the coop and I have extra chickens like they've had chicks which is impossible because I don't have a rooster but it's a dream I also have a lot of dreams where I go out to the coop and they've attracted chickens from other places so there's new chickens like milling about outside the run and I'm like yay free chickens um (laughs) it sort of gives you an idea of um (laughs) what I would love to happen I would love to go out there one day and just be like oh my goodness five extra chickens come on in girls but sadly no Uh, but on in on the plus side despite my um anxious dreaming Cracker is doing well she is getting through her molt yes she is still uncomfortable but she is eating and she's drinking and she's obviously feeling better because she's a little brighter uh we've had some milder days and she's been out sunning and she's obviously just feeling like herself which I'm very grateful for. Something on the line of chickens um, I'd noticed a number of homesteaders that I follow on Instagram and I really like Instagram I've actually found a lot of really great people through Instagram and it's great for those of you who are interested in homesteading or beekeeping or chicken keeping there's a lot of us on there and aside from getting to look at all these beautiful pictures there's also so much great information that people are sharing through Instagram. So I was going through and I was reading stuff and a lot of people who live in, you know, this part of the world are preparing for winter. And I saw a lot of homesteaders talking about using straw in their chicken coops. And I decided to give it a go. Now, historically, I hadn't used straw because I had read that it can mold more easily. And because I was doing pretty well with, you know, dried leaves and the shavings that I buy and all that kind of stuff, I thought, you know, 
it will be fine without straw. Well, seeing it mentioned over and over again, I was like, why not? I have a good source of straw now. So I went to pick up a bale and it's much fluffier than I expected it to be. It also made my car smell amazing (laughs) while I was driving it home. Um, So I ended up using only about a third of um, the bale that I bought. And I really like, I put some in the run. Um, I put quite a lot in the big coop. I put some in the small coop and the small run. And it's just, I can definitely see why it would be good for winter. It seems to be a really good insulator. The girls really like it. They've been making like little nests in it and they'll snuggle into it to keep warm. The coop smells really nice. It's pretty good for, um, spot cleaning and also for deep litter method so I'm really happy with it so far and I will um, keep giving it a go over this winter and I'll let you know what I think about it in the spring. So with all this cold that we've been having um, something I've been thinking about is um, the water situation in the coops. So I have you know my water is out there and they freeze. Now there's a number of different options for um preventing water from freezing in the coop but most of it is going to involve having electricity out there now I actually do have access to electricity on that part of the property via that big shed that you might have seen in the background of some of my pictures but I haven't used it because I know the electricity is working I've plugged in some power tools but I haven't wanted to run anything on it you know, for a long period of time, because that shed is slowly falling apart. Like we bought the property with it in that condition. And I just, I don't have the skill to get to it and to do the repairs. And it's kind of low on the priority list of things to be spending money on. So I haven't really wanted to use electricity out there, but I really think this might be the year that I finally get an electrician out, have him tell me whether it's still safe to use and then get some heated waterers for my girls. Um, Particularly because I would like to go away for a short period over the winter, whereas usually I'm stuck here because I'm running water out to the coops once a day when it's kind of like this, where it's sort of, it's cold, but it's not really, really, really frigid. But there have been periods where, you know, I've been out to the coop two, three times a day running water out to make sure that the girls have constant access. So assuming I can get the electrician out and all that kind of stuff, let's think about what are my options? Okay, so I started looking around, what can I use to heat water for my girls? And basically I found the following. These seem to be the primary things. There are stock tank de-icers, which you can find online and also at your local like tractor supply store or Rural King or wherever you get your feed from. There are heated chicken waterers. Um, These seem to be relatively expensive and actually have moderate to poor reviews in terms of how long they have lasted or how well they've worked. Heated dog bowls, which have better reviews than the chicken waterers and are actually more affordable. So this seems to be something that I've actually noticed a lot of chicken people using is the heated dog dog bowls, excuse me. Uh, you can also get a pond heater or a pond de-icer. We actually just got one for our little pond at the front of the house. We keep goldfish in it. And we used to bring the goldfish in over winter, but we have more. We, um, I guess, quote unquote, rescued some goldfish from someone. So we have more than we have the tank space for. So we put a heater in this year. And they're relatively pricey. I mean, 
it, they start at around $45 and go up from there. So that's kind of ruled out for me. There's also aquarium heaters that you'd use in a fish tank. And these are very inexpensive, but my husband mentioned to me because he has more experience with aquariums and fish than I do. He mentioned that if any part of the aquarium heater rises above the water, um, it can actually cause it to shatter, which would then electrify the water and potentially kill your chickens. So I'm going to rule that one out just to be on the safe side. I've seen mention of solar heaters, which are more expensive, but they basically, you know, use the sun to power a small generator that then heats your water bowl. My issue is um, I actually don't get a huge amount of sun at in that part of the property, particularly at this time of year, it, it gets a fair amount, but I'm not sure it's going to get enough to really keep that water from freezing. And then the final option is heated buckets. Um, they start at around $25 and go up from there, depending on the size of the bucket. The reviews that I found look really good. And they're actually my favorite option so far. I feel like they're ticking the uh, list of things. They are more affordable, they have good reviews, and they're easy to get. You can order them online or you can go down to your um, farm store and pick one up there. So I'm thinking that I'm gonna get two heated buckets, I'm going to get my um, outdoor safe extension cord. I'll have my electrician tell me whether it's safe to plug in, you know, everything going well. I'm going to test out these heated buckets for the winter and I'll let you know how it goes. As for my bees, they're all bundled up. Um, I, I have actually today, I'm recording this on the 18th of November and today is actually a mild day. It's about 45-ish degrees. There's very little wind. It's sunny and I went to look at my girls and they're out. They're doing cleansing flights and they're pulling out any bees that have died and they're generally just sort of um, taking the time to come outside and so I was like, okay, this is perfect and I quickly suited up and I ran out and I checked on all the candy boards. Now, unsurprisingly, my smallest hive that I'm most worried about, Queen Marcus Hive, they have clearly been eating the candy board and um, whether they are consuming it or just using it to store, I don't know because I didn't want to crack open the brood box. I was just looking at the candy board. Um, so I put more candy in for them. Um, and then I checked on my other hives and my really big hive, I mean, they barely nibbled the candy and you can see how much honey they have just peeking through the frames. And on my um, other hive, they have been at the candy board, but I think for storage, because when I peeked down, I could see that they still had a lot of capped honey. So things kind of progressing how I thought they would, my smallest hive, you know, needing the extra care. Um, but I am, I'm pleased, I'm happy, I was... I was just filled with so much joy to have them out today. It's ridiculous. Like when I saw them, I like ran inside, put my suit on, ran back out again. It was just wonderful. And it really improved my mood for the day. So I am delighted to see my girls. Um, and kind of like personal news, just real quick. I had to have some skin biopsies taken to check for um, skin cancer, which means I have been bereft of swimming there is absolutely no swimming allowed until these wounds are fully healed and they do take a little bit of time um which sucks because I love to swim it's really good for my mental health it's good for me physically um but you know 
I don't want to get anything nasty in there so I'm being good and this actually means that a side benefit has been I have more time to take my dogs out so when we've had weather that allows it I have been going on hikes and um, in particular my male whippet Chappie he's my adventure dog we've done some really challenging hikes together and that's been wonderful to be outside and I like to go in the morning and there's no one else on the trails it's just me and my dog and just absolutely wonderful bright sunny mornings even if it's bitterly cold we bundle up and we've been having a lot of fun so for any of you out there who um maybe don't make the time because you feel bogged down by things if you get the chance even just once a week I really think it's so good for us to get out there and just really experience this time of year so if you can I do recommend you find a trail near your house and go out and you know explore have fun okay now on to the episode so the main topic of today's episode is goals um I'm assuming that everyone who's listening has goals that they set for themselves um whether you are a beekeeper or a chicken keeper or a hobby farmer um, whether you grow crops or you are harvesting meat birds or you grow um, your own meat for um, your production for your um, freezer or something that you actually sell I'm sure you set yourselves goals so what did I set for myself Um, well actually how I want to structure this is I want to talk about goals that I didn't accomplish first goals that I did accomplish Um, And then sort of unexpected things. So things that are either unexpectedly positive, things that I have identified that were obstacles and so on. Um, Just kind of for my own self, it kind of helps me structure things in that way. So let's start with goals that I had set that I haven't yet accomplished. So in 2019, um, one of the things I really wanted to do is I wanted to build uh, raised garden beds for growing vegetables and herbs. I have one raised bed that's kind of become a um, a strawberry patch, a, a wildflower patch, and um, I also have had some uh, different kinds of mint in there because I love mint. And um, I'm happy with that. Like, I'm happy with that bed. But I wanted beds that I could be like, okay, this is my tomato and uh, pepper plant bed. And I'm going to grow, you know, oregano and basil and um, all different kinds of things. Well, that didn't happen. I actually got to the point where I went to Home Depot and I was pricing, um, you know, planks of wood for the building. And I ended up deciding just not to do it. It was getting later in the year. And I had already been spending money on beekeeping equipment. And I just decided that this wasn't something that I had to rush into. I had to get done. I pushed it back. Um, I have a, one of my other things that I said that I wanted to do is I wanted to completely weed and reseed this really big side bed that I have on the right side of my house. And that didn't happen. (laughs) That poor thing, I completely neglected that side of the property. Um, I don't really see it very often unless I'm you know, pulling into my driveway. Um, it's, I put wildflower seeds down um, in 2018. And so it, it becomes like this big, crazy bed of wildflowers. And um, I, I had some lavender plants in there and um, then also weeds, but some of those weeds are, um, 
like blossoming. They have flowers that the bees really like. So I've left them in. And my intention was to weed out all the weeds that um, aren't beneficial, that, you know, aren't doing much good. So that bed was pretty much neglected. I had also wanted to work on my wildflower patch, which would hopefully one day become a wildflower meadow. I started it in 2018. I really didn't get anything done with it this year. One thing that I really regret not getting done was I was going to spray milky spore or carnivorous nematodes on my lawn. Um, this is a way of um, killing Japanese beetle larvae, which are a menace. Oh my goodness, they are awful for my poor roses. I have been battling them since we moved to this property. And I totally miss the window to spray because you need to spray so that it kills the larva. Because once they hatch, you've missed your chance. And so I just had to spend most of this summer, you know, manually picking the Japanese beetles off my plants. And um, yeah, that's something I definitely regret. I also didn't get around to building a chicken tractor. I have a gravel path that I have been in the process of removing for a year now. That didn't get finished. I wanted to improve drainage. Um, <laughs> I have um, a raccoon latrine. And for those of you who aren't aware of this, what that is, is that raccoons will like, um, they like to communally poop. So they will find an area uh, it's usually like in an old shed or it's some kind of enclosed space and they'll come in and they'll start doing their business and this will attract other raccoons in the area and then before you know it you have a raccoon latrine and the problem with this aside from being gross is that raccoons actually um and now i don't know if this is everywhere in the u.s so please uh, do your research but here in Ohio our raccoons carry a kind of ringworm that if you get it as a human you are perfectly capable of getting it um, it's very dangerous um, it actually can cause uh, brain inflammation and all kinds of terrible things and if left untreated it can kill you and how you get it is you actually breathe it in so if um, it's very dry and dusty that's the worst time to try and clean up this raccoon mess. So what is recommended is that you wear protective clothing, you wear a specially rated mask, and you go in and you pour um, previously boiled hot water on everything. So what is good about this kind of ringworm is that very, very hot water will kill it. So you wanna make sure everything's wet, clean it up, wash everything that you were wearing in very hot water. And so this whole process it's time intensive. I also had to find the right mask, which I have found thanks to my uh, forensic anthropologist friend because she keeps these rated masks for when they're working on uh, corpses and bone sampling and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just haven't got around to it. It's um, it's the top floor of my shed, which I've mentioned is falling apart. So I don't want to be up there when my husband isn't home just in case the floor gives way and I fall and I can't get help or I break my cell phone in the fall and I can't call for help. So it just hasn't happened. Um, I will get around to it because I need to. And the longer it's there, the more raccoons it's probably attracting, but it's just a huge pain. I also really wanted to strip the old paint and wallpaper of one of our guest bedrooms. Uh, the previous owner of this, of this house had just painted over old wallpaper. So everything needs to be stripped. And then I need to prepare the walls um, with a primer and then repaint some of the ceiling needs work as well um, and I really wanted to get that done that didn't happen 
And then just some smaller things. I wanted to start agility training with my male Whippet Chappy. I wanted to do obedience with my female Whippet Luna. And I wanted to do scent training with uh, my Greyhound Kaylee. And none of those things happened. <laughs> and I also, um, I've actually for years now, I've wanted to build an outside tortoise and reptile sunning enclosure. Um, it needs to be secure enough that they can't dig their way out or force their way out and it needs to have an area of appropriately deep enough shade but then also areas where they can go out and they can get natural sunlight this is um, something I really really want to do so those are the things that didn't happen let's talk about things that did happen the first thing on my list is bees I got bees um and there was a lot of work that went into getting my bees. I built my hive stands. I prepared the ground both underneath and around the hive stands. I actually set up a trail camera so I could keep an eye on my um, equipment. I And also like I wanted to see if we were attracting any kind of predators because obviously I have uh, I have raccoons, obviously. Um, we've had possums come through. I've heard coyotes. We have a lot of deer. I wanted to see what was happening at night around the hives. Um, I ended up building equipment thanks to my very gracious neighbor. He taught me how to make my own deep supers or um, deep brood boxes. Um, then, of course, I bought my nucleus colonies. I brought them home. I installed them. I had all my hashtag bee drama with the queens, so a queen being killed and then raising new queens and having to requeen. And then I... Um, obviously did my mite treatments. I split one hive. So I went from two hives to three hives, one of which raised their own queen. And I stuck to my schedule. And that's a big win for me. I told myself that I was going to do this right. And that meant that every seven to 10 days, I would be into those hives and I would see what is going on. And I did that. And for me, this is a huge win. Um, I didn't anticipate how much time two to three hives would take me and some of that is just a learning curve um you are you know you're moving heavy boxes you're learning how to work with your bees how to quickly get through an inspection but you don't want to rush you don't want to roll your queen there's so much to think about and so I <laughs> when I started it would take me hours hours to get through it all it still takes me longer than I would like but I am noticing that the time that I'm in my hives is getting shorter and shorter as I'm gaining more confidence and experience and um, the bees were my focus of 2019 I'm very happy with how things have worked out I have so much more to learn and to do but it has been wonderful and I'm just absolutely thrilled I also set a goal later in 2019 that I was going to start a blog and a podcast. And um, yes, I did that, as you can tell. But that was way more work than I anticipated. Um, some of it's like, a, how do you reach people? So I started uh, an Instagram just for the podcast and a Facebook. And recently I got onto Tumblr. I had to find how I was going to host. I needed the equipment. I needed to learn how to use the equipment, which I'm still doing. So thank you for bearing with me. And then it was sort of like, okay, well, I have a host site, but then how do you get onto like iTunes or Google Play or iHeartRadio? And for the record, I just got my... Um, podcast accepted or at least they're pending on iTunes and Google Play and the reason it has taken so freaking long is that iTunes has 
the most ridiculously stringent requirements for your podcast artwork and I am not arty at all and I don't have very good editing software for photos so it took me forever and I had to get my husband who has better software that he uses as part of his work to help me with this podcast artwork because it needs to be like a certain size um, it has to be lower than 72 dpi which is just ridiculous and this is all this crap that they require i mean it's typical apple i mean i'm sorry itunes i know itunes is one of the most popular ways to put your podcast out there which is why i want to be on it i know a lot of people like apple but it's typical apple has to do everything backwards but i finally got it sorted and now i'm pending approval so um for any of my itunes people <laughs> Once it's on there, please leave me a review. I would love that. Um, and also Google Play. I had some issues with my artwork with them as well. And um, and they had slightly different requirements to iTunes. So, oh my goodness, it was a nightmare, but that's pending as well. So that's done. But this has been a huge time suck for me and a huge pain in my butt. So I'm very glad that it is, um, that it's done. And let's just say the podcast, it's up, it's going, that's a win, right? Something else I accomplished I'm really proud of is mulch. Um, and by this, I mean, I have a big delivery and they basically drive out in a truck and they dump this ginormous pile of uh, wood mulch onto my front lawn. And I then go and I put it, I take a, a, like a little garden cart or garden buggy at a time and I put it all over my flower beds. And the first year that I did this, it took me over a year to get rid of that mulch pile because I just it was such a huge time suck and you'd be out there for like two and a half three hours and then you'd look at your plant beds and it's like oh I've done a third of the front flower beds in two to three hours because I wanted it to be deep enough to prevent weeds from coming in and it was just it's a little disheartening right this year I bombed through putting the mulch down and now some of that is that last year's mulch is still I mean a lot of it degrades over time but a lot of it is still good right so I didn't need as deep of mulch but I've obviously got in the hang of what I'm doing I was so delighted I got that mulch pile gone in just a couple of months so I am considering that a big win and I'm delighted the other thing that I achieved was weeding. Now, aside from that one bed that I talked about earlier, I stayed on top of weeding this year. And that's no small thing because I have a number of flower beds and I don't use anything apart from like my own hands to weed. I won't spray because of the bees. And even before I got into beekeeping, I wouldn't spray because I didn't like, I don't like our pesticides. and I don't like our weed killers. I don't trust the ingredients. There's a lot of stuff coming out about how it's bad for us and it's bad for the environment and it's bad for our water systems and our soil quality. And I just won't do it. Now, weeding by hand is a huge pain in the rump. It is time consuming. It is physical. I have carpal tunnel in both of my wrists. So there's only so much I can do before I have to take a break. Um, that's just how it is. But I kept on top of it. And I'm really, really proud of that. So huge win there. Um, I also... I mentioned previously that I have issues with Japanese beetles and as a consequence some of my rose bushes died and so one of the goals I set for myself was that I wanted to remove the old or dead ones and get new rose bushes in and I did do that and I'm very pleased with um 
how they have been doing. Um, some of them really started flowering almost right away. And even with the Japanese beetles getting on there and causing a, an issue, um, I am optimistic that I'm going to have those bushes for a long time. So I'm very happy. I also got my uh, spring and full blooming bulbs planted. So at the end of 2018, I dug up my bulbs and I overwintered them in the, um, in the garage and I got them back out again in the spring and then in like late summer. So I'm really, really happy with that. I discovered the wonders of mint. So, okay, a lot of people hate mint because you plant it and it spreads everywhere, but that's what I want. I want more coverage and I really really like mint because not only does it smell wonderful and I can use it in the cubes and I can put it in the house and I can make tea out of it but when it flowers if you let it go a little wild so that it actually flowers pollinators not just our honeybees but all kinds of native pollinators seem to go crazy for it and I actually saw this the first time my favorite coffee shop is called Artisan Coffee it's on Canton Road in Akron and they have a lovely flower bed at the back, um, sort of on the, the back lot up against the building. And they have like rose bushes and lavender and they have tomato plants and they have mint and they let the mint grow huge. And it was a riot of all kinds of insects. And I just loved it. And I took pictures and I stood out there and it smelled amazing. The bugs loved it. And that's what I wanted. So this last, um, spring and summer I've been transplanting mint into different beds I still have more beds that I want to put it in but I love it it's everywhere it's beautiful it was a riot it was rampaging it is just what I wanted and I'm really excited to see how much further it's going to spread on my property um okay what else oh I also got my big coop clean out done before the cold weather hit so that was well timed I'm really pleased with that I also kept up with mowing my ridiculously huge front and side lawn. Now this is an ongoing project for me where I want to over time get rid of how much lawn I have. Lawns are not great for the environment. I could be using it for more. I could be having, you know, more stuff out there, more vegetable gardens, more wildflowers. It's just not useful to me. I hate it. And I have a push mower. So it takes me hours to mow my property and the first year we were here it got completely out of hand and I couldn't keep up with it and my neighbors are so sweet and they would like let me borrow their riding mowers but I also worried that you know I had I had neighbors who would like stop by when I was out gardening and talk to me about the lawn and talk to me about like what mower I had and they were friendly but obviously it was bothering people obviously people felt like I wasn't keeping my lawn up to the standards of the neighborhood now I don't really care about that I'm not I don't want to be that difficult neighbor but if my grass gets a little long I'm like okay if it's like you know a freaking two foot long monstrosity I totally feel you but that first year I did struggle with it a lot so this year, one of the things I set for myself is like, I want to be a good neighbor. I want my neighbors to like me. I want to be on good terms with my neighbors. I set myself a goal of mowing my lawn more often and I accomplished it and I'm really happy. I basically just broke my lawn down into sections and I would do a different section um, like on a different day. And then if I had a day where I had like a good chunk of time free, I would get everything done all in one time. And uh, I am pleased with that. I'm happy I kept up with it. I did not have one neighbor <laughs> stop by and offer me their riding mower so I think I did accomplish it this year and I'm very happy 
um, sort of non-homesteady, but just sort of personal stuff that I achieved. I got another pink tongue skink breeding. Um, although that didn't go exactly as planned, it was either a bad pairing or because it was uh, Pandora's first year, a number of her babies failed to thrive and passed away when they were very young. And this is, I mean, this is the risk when you breed um, any animal, but particularly something like a reptile. But of the surviving babies, um, they all thrived. All of them have been sold. Um, I created my own website, my own Facebook page. I looked into different kinds of ads, uh, different marketing avenues. I have been in contact with my local reptile expo for information on how I can set up a booth in 2020. I have introduced new bloodlines and I've got holdbacks that I am going to grow up until they're sexable and then decide which ones I'm going to keep. And right now I have two adult pairs which will hopefully be breeding for me over winter so hopefully I will have two litters on the ground in spring and I also have a um a new bloodline male who I'm growing up who will hopefully I will have a female for him in uh, 2021 um so things are on track with that I'm happy with how things are going it ended up being a bigger time suck than I anticipated because a lot of reptile breeding networking is done through Facebook and Facebook really cracked down this year on animal sales, which I'm not necessarily against, but for reptiles, that was my market. That's how I connected with people all over the US who were interested in my babies. And when Facebook cracked down on me being able to sell there, I had to do my website. I had to make a business page through Facebook. I had to learn how that works, how to set it up, how to market myself. So I lost the market that I had had in 2018 and I had to find new ways to connect with them and with new people and that was very challenging for me I don't have any real experience building websites I'm not a graphic designer I did the best that I could I'm happy with what I did but it took up a huge amount of my time and at times it was very disheartening um I also had to relearn how to ship reptiles safely. You can ship them through places like FedEx, but you need to be using, you know, particular boxes. You need to make sure that the weather's appropriate. You need to use, I use um, a um, like shipping companies who provide everything that I need and they have the contract with FedEx because it's very expensive to get your own contract. So I use them as an intermediary to ship through FedEx. Um, and that was all new again. I haven't shipped a reptile oh my goodness in like six years or more seven eight years so I learned all that again I had my baby shipped out all over the country um so it was just a tremendous amount of stress but looking back I am proud of what I accomplished there I also finished my uh, American Sign Language courses at the University of Akron. I completed that in spring. So I now have taken um, all of the classes that the University of Akron offers. I am, eh, I don't know if I want to say conversationally fluent. I have a much better grasp of American Sign Language than I used to. Um, I am going to try and keep up with it, but without the class, it's going to be a little challenging. But I'm really, really pleased that I accomplished that. It was a goal I set for myself and it was done. And uh, once it was done, it gave me a lot more time to work on the homestead. So I'm really proud of myself. I'm glad that's done. And as a kind of small thing, like a more close local thing, 
I did Boo at the Zoo again this year at the Akron Zoo. It's our big Halloween thing. We do uh, three weekends every Saturday and Sunday where we have people come in with their kids and they do trick or treat at like booths that we set up in the park. And there is a huge amount of work that goes into it. It's one of our biggest events and I do it as a volunteer. And this year I told myself that I was going to be there for every single day. So six days, I was gonna be there for four to six hours, working my buns off, helping out. Now I couldn't do all six shifts this year. I had something come up, but I did five out of those six shifts. It went so well. We had one weekend that was absolutely crazy. I think it was our third, or I think maybe our second busiest weekend that we've had in the history of Boo. It was just constant running around on my feet all the time, um, going up that steep hill. For anyone who knows Akron Zoo, we call it Cardiac Hill and you have to go up it to get to most of the zoo. And I was running up and down that hill all day and I loved it. And the weather, generally speaking, was pretty good for this whole boo. And I'm just delighted that I did it, that we accomplished it, that the boo, uh, that boo was so successful this year and I'm just thrilled. So that is the end of my list of things that um, that I accomplished. And I'm really pleased with it. Um, I'm definitely one of those people who I'm very much on top of myself all the time. You didn't do this, you didn't do that, you didn't accomplish this. I'm not really thinking about what I did do. So when I was making these lists and I saw how much I had accomplished in regards to how much didn't get done, I was actually really surprised and I was really pleased. So this is actually something that, maybe if you find that you're hard on yourself maybe this is something that you could write down somewhere you know list the things that have been on your mind that you didn't get done or you didn't have time for but then list down everything that you did accomplish that you did achieve because hopefully you will find like me that you actually you surprised yourself in what you managed to do so just a couple more things um something that I identified was obstacles or things that took up a huge amount of time that directly impacted why I couldn't get more done. And one of the main things was watering plants. And what I have learned is I hate it. I hate watering plants. And here's why. The main reason is mosquitoes. So we have a, um, a wooded area at the back of our property and we have issues with water buildup because that whole back area floods and because of the way the land is it drains into my yard and we get standing water back there I can get standing water in my yard and mosquitoes go mad for it so we get mosquitoes very early and they stay very late and I freaking hate them um I'm one of those people who if I'm in a crowd the mosquitoes will all come to me and basically ignore everyone else um and I have relatively strong reaction. I am very, very itchy and I swell up quite a lot to mosquitoes and it makes me miserable. And because you should be watering your plants in the morning, in the evening, that's when mosquitoes are most active and I freaking hate it. So I need to figure out ways that I can make watering easier on myself and more accessible. And in terms of being accessible, I also realized that I need a hose on the back of the property And I need to figure out what to do about the side of my property because on the right side, I don't have a hose access line and I just have to take watering can after watering can after watering can over there, all the while being swarmed and bitten by mosquitoes. And I don't use DEET or any of the truly effective uh, anti-mosquito 
uh, sprays, chemicals, because they're not good for bees and I don't want to risk contaminating anything. So I just get, you know, eaten alive. So this was a huge obstacle for me. I really need to brainstorm about how to make this easier. I also this year had a number of sick chickens that needed vet visits or additional daily care. And that takes time because my chickens don't always want to be caught or they don't want to take their medications or they don't want to eat and they need to be hand fed or whatever. Like it took up more time than I expected. Um, A big obstacle for me is commuting. And by this, I mean that I usually drive my husband to and from work because we're a one car household. So I drop him off in the morning, I get a number of chores done, I come home, I pick him up in the evening. And the problem with this is that it basically means that I'm in the car um, going back and forth roughly two hours a day and longer if I have to go out somewhere to like the feed store or if I need to you know, go out to a specialist store or anything or the vet or whatever. And it takes up a huge amount of my time. And then also having that schedule of this is when he needs to be dropped off and this is when he needs to be picked up really limits the time that I have during the day because I have to squeeze in everything before I need to drop what I'm doing and go pick him up. And I'm the main chef in our house. I do all the cooking. Um, I'm the main caregiver during the day. So I'm doing all the animal chores and um, it just really limits what I can do. And we are talking about getting a second car but it's a budget thing. Um, I don't want to go out and drop all that money right now, as convenient as it would be. So this is something that we are looking into for 2020. But um, I would watch this space. I'm not 100% on it. Pest control, like I mentioned earlier, I missed the boat on treating the Japanese beetle larvae before they could emerge as the adults, which are what eat my plants. So that meant that I had to pick the Japanese beetles off by hand multiple times a day all the while being eaten by mosquitoes and it took a long time Um, I did end up setting up a Japanese beetle trap I bought um, like a law for them online and that did work pretty well Um, so that's something that helped but it wasn't it didn't really get rid of a lot of the work that I was doing there as I mentioned before I do all my weeding by hand I never spray that takes up a lot of time and then just daily animal care Um, especially when the pink tongue skink babies were here Uh, when they're first born they need to be fed every single day like little tiny portions of food they are little poop machines so they're being cleaned out every two days Um, and then mama I watch her very closely she's getting additional care to make sure that she's recovering Um, there's just a lot of cleaning and feeding every single day on top of all the rest of my animals. Um, I actually haven't done an account in a while, but I have roughly 35 different animals here, um, all different kinds of species. And then, you know, obviously the dogs, the dogs take up a fair amount of time. My chickens take up time. My bees take up time. There's just a lot that goes on in a day. Um, An unexpected time suck was what I'm going to call the great lunar flesh wounds of 2019, which is my female whippet Luna, who's my naughty, crazy baby. She likes to run up and down the fence barking at my neighbor's puppies and the puppies do the same thing. Um, And we were trying to curb the behavior, but it's difficult with her because she's very fixated and she's very stubborn. Um, and a, a number of methods just didn't work. 
Well, one day she runs in after running up and down the fence and she's got this huge wound on her side and she basically just ripped a giant chunk of skin. And I think I might have mentioned it before, but I'll say it again. Sight hounds, particularly short haired sight hounds like greyhounds and whippets have very very thin skin and it's really easy for them to tear so she had this great big tear and I had to take it to the emergency vet where they stapled it and I asked them are you sure staples are going to hold and they were like yeah 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 well the staples didn't hold I just wasted that money I had to go right back to my vet and have him put in sutures and they had to sedate her to do the suturing and then there was like daily care of the sutures and checkups and then the suture removal and then after the suture removal not very long after she comes back in from the yard and she's ripped open another portion of her skin now we had checked the yard for what was causing this and we couldn't find it so uh, when it happened the second time I was fed up and furious and not at her just at the circumstances and I so I had to take her back to the vet we had to do the whole process all over again I felt like the worst mama in the entire world and I went to that fence line that she was running along and I got down on my hands and knees again and I went over every single inch of it and I think I found what was causing the issue it was kind of hidden but it was a little bit of the chain link fence on that side that was kind of poking out and it was at a weird angle so it was hard to see from behind a bush but I think she was jumping through that bush catching it on that piece of fence and even though it was blunt I think she was just jumping and moving with such force that it was ripping the skin so I went along that entire fence line and I just like bent back and cut back and sanded back everything that I could find that could possibly cause a wound fingers crossed we have not had an issue since so hopefully I took care of the problem but that took up so much time and also just made me feel awful for my sweet baby because that's no fun having said that she was a complete champ like she would come in tail wagging and she's got this massive like two inch gaping flesh wound and she's like hey mama and I'm just like oh my god what happened and she's like what do you mean waggy 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 tail so (laughs) that was a big time suck and then also I got back into swimming which is a self-care thing, but it does take a lot of time because I swim at my university gym. So it's like part of that whole, I commute, I get there, I do my shower, I swim for an hour, I do my after swim shower, I grab a snack, I come home. It's just a whole thing. So it it takes up time, but it is good for me. Now I want to end this because I know I've been talking at you for a little while now. I want to end this with some unexpected pleasures or positive events that happened in 2019 that um, either took up time but are things that I'm very grateful for and I'm, I'm really happy that I took the time for it or just the things that really stood out to me that I wanted to highlight as a kind of wonderful part of 2019. So first on my list of unexpected pleasures and positive events is my rescue hens and I know I've talked about them before so I won't go into the story again but going to Cleveland and picking up those girls I'm really glad I did it and even though it has really increased how much time I have to spend with my hens because when Babette passed away I didn't have any more cut beat girls so I could go back to using the same pellet food for everyone I didn't have to worry about whether they could pick things up I didn't have to worry about whether they could groom away poultry lice it was like back to normal and then 
I got my rescue hens and I had separated Agatha. So I was like, okay, this is great timing. And it was. Agatha, she was doing okay by herself, but she needs companionship, particularly over winter when they use each other's body heat. So I brought them home and I'm really happy. I love that little flock. They're really sweet. One of the girls actually finally looks like she's really filling out and she's noticeably bigger than the others now. And that is just, I mean, it just fills my heart with joy. I'm so happy. So even though having to prepare all their soft food, buy crumbles for them instead of pellets, do the lice treatments, the baths, all that kind of stuff, it's a huge time commitment, but I'm happy to do it because I'm really glad they're here and I just, I love them to pieces and that worked out really nicely. Another positive event of 2019 was my foster whippet, Willie, who you might have seen on the blog or on Instagram. He was such a sweetheart. I am so glad that I was able to help his first mama who was in a terrible situation and it ripped her heart out to give him to rescue but it was totally selfless and I found such a wonderful home for him or they found me I'm thrilled with the home that he has I couldn't have asked for a better family to take him and I'm just absolutely delighted and every bit of time that I had to take away from my property to be with him, to get him to the vet, to do all the running around that's needed and all the paperwork, it was all worth it. And uh, that was a huge highlight for me. And I'm just, I'm just delighted. Of course, everything to do with the bees has been wonderful. Even the drama. I am so happy that I finally got to keep bees and that my first year, it's, basically done it's just getting through this winter now which is no small thing but it's less time at the hives it's more just kind of watching and waiting um I think in particular what I'm super proud of is the successful hive split that I did and then my hive raising their own queen and her coming back from her mating flight and getting to work now I don't have anything to do with whether she comes back from a mating flight or whether they raise a healthy queen other than just giving them support but it's huge to me as a first year beekeeper to be able to say I went from two to three hives and I got through a super seizure situation and I had my girls raise their own queen who came back and is now laying and is wonderful and it's just I mean, I don't know if you can tell, I'm grinning like an idiot as I'm saying this. It's just one of the best things that's ever happened. And I'm so delighted. That's a huge win for me. I will probably talk about it forever and drive everyone crazy. <laughs> um, okay, wh- what else? Um, oh, so also my husband forced me to go on a vacation <laughs> this year. Um, I There's so much that goes into preparing for a vacation when you have this many animals. Um, we have to have someone different to take the dogs to the person who looks after the reptiles, to the person who checks on the chickens. And it's just this huge thing. And when I'm preparing everything and I'm getting all the food ready and I'm, you know, stacking food upon food so that they can just come in, throw it for the chickens or come in, put it down for the reptiles or whatever, uh, you know, bags of kibble to go with the dogs it's such a huge endeavor that I just think screw it let's just not go on vacation just live here forever but my husband said to me no this is the year we're going to go on a proper vacation there's going to be no animals 
and you're going to have fun whether you like it or not. Um, and it was wonderful. We went to uh, Crystal River, Florida, and we snorkeled with manatees and um, the whole thing was amazing. And the biggest thing for me was I experienced what life was like with basically no responsibilities. Um, I didn't have any animals to feed. I didn't have any animals to clean up after. We would eat breakfast at home and then we would eat out the rest of the day. And if we brought anything back, we would eat out of the containers and then recycle them and put them in the bin. There was no real washing up. There was no uh, running the dishwasher. There was just there was no laundry because, you know, it's just a couple of days. It was amazing. And I slept better than I have in years. And I slept so deeply and so long every night. I had to set an alarm every morning when we had an event because otherwise I would have just kept sleeping. It was just incredible. Um, And it made me really look at our living situation. And I had a really hard look and I decided, and I tried to decide, do we need to downsize? Do we need to cut back on what we're doing? Do we have too many animals? And ultimately what I decided was no. And the reason why is because sometimes what I forget is that I do all the things that I do and I have all the animals I have because it makes me happy. I love my home. I breathe easier the minute I step into the garage I can have the worst day in the world and I pull the car into the garage and I see that door that leads into my house and I instantly start to feel better this is my haven it's my safe place I am tremendously proud of what my husband and I are building together and everything here is a part of it the chickens are parts of it the bees are a part of it all these reptiles they're all part of it and yes that comes with huge amounts of work and huge amounts of daily care but that's what gives me meaning that's what makes me happy that's what gives me a sense of accomplishment and yes life is so much simpler if we got rid of all of that but that was a vacation and I really loved it and I loved experiencing it but my life would feel so empty if that's what I did every day so I'm super grateful to have gone on that vacation to had that downtime to spend real quality alone time with my husband who I love more than anything in the whole world but I was also just as glad to come back and see all my babies and just get back into this life but with like renewed vigor for yes I chose this this is what I want this is what makes me happy and while I'm being sappy about my husband I also um went on dates with my husband so look, we've been married 11 years and I've known him even longer than that. Um, I can't do the math off the top of my head because I suck at math, but like I've known him since I was 18. I'm now 34. So do the math. (laughs) I adore him. I couldn't love him anymore, but somehow every year I do love him more, but we get bogged down. He is tenure track. He works his buns off. He is so busy and there's so much in his head going on every day on top of everything else that we do. And I get the same way. I get wrapped up in my chores and my responsibilities. And sometimes we don't make the time that we should. But this year we've been much more about going on dinner dates and going out to see movies together and going out for drinks together and just spending that quality time. And I always love it. I just love being around him. Um, So I'm really, really proud of both of us for setting aside that time. And for anyone out there in a relationship, whether you're married or not, 
make sure you make the time. It makes a huge difference and you guys deserve it. You deserve to spend quality time together. I also made time to socialize with my friends. I, I mean, I won't get into the whole thing, but I am an awkward panda in the sense that I had very bad social anxiety growing up. I had very bad generalized anxiety that prevented me from going out. Um, There was a time in my life where I actually struggled to leave the house because my anxiety was so bad. Um, So I've done a lot of growing and um, I've had ups and downs with friendships and with losing friends, with not being able to make friendships, with not being able to sustain friendships. And I feel really grateful that here we are in this place, we finally got to put down some roots and I have wonderful friends. And so this year I made time to spend with them because yes, we keep in contact through messenger and texting and our various social media accounts. And we see each other at, you know, some social functions, but it's so important to just go out, go out for drinks, go out for dinner, hang out, really catch up, get coffee. And I've done that and I love it. And it always makes me feel better. And even if I have to push back chores and make one day so much busier than the next, I just am so grateful to know the people that I do, to have friends who want to spend time with me, who get me and all my weirdness and all my weird animals and my crazy life. And I'm just so grateful that I got to spend time with them. So again, self-care note people, I know it's so easy to get bogged down. We all do it. And for those of you out there who are working full-time jobs and like raising your own cattle and then have to, you know, process it and all that kind of stuff. People who are running full-time farms on top of their full-time jobs. And maybe some of you have kids out there. I don't have kids. I can't imagine how much work is involved in everything that you guys do, but you do deserve time for yourself. And I hope when you can, you find that little corner of time, whether it's an hour to sit down with a cup of your favorite beverage and a good book or five minutes of meditation in the morning or going on that hike or taking a weekend away with your significant other, going out for drinks with friends one night after work, whatever your downtime looks like. I really, really hope that you take it. And if you didn't, that's okay. Maybe think about how you can in 2020 because you absolutely 100% deserve it. So that's basically it. That was my 2019 kind of in review there. Overall, I am feeling really positive about it and I'm kind of shocked at how positive I feel about it because there are definitely moments this year where I felt like I took on too much and that my existence was madness (laughs) and I didn't know why I did it and I'm so hard on myself and I, I see all the flaws and I see all the things I didn't do but sitting down and actually listing it like this it was hugely beneficial and I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it and also maybe it gave you a little bit of clarity if you're someone who does lists like this you know send me a message. Let me know. What did you achieve? What didn't you achieve? What can you see that needs work? What did you learn? Because the whole thing's a learning experience, right? I mean, that's part of what we're doing. That's part of what I love about homesteading and beekeeping and chicken keeping is that we're always learning something new, whether it's through a mistake that we made or a sudden death in our flock or 
the bees deciding they hate their queen and killing her and you having to requeen. We're always learning. So uh, you can find me on various social media places. Um, I'm my handle is Homestead Hens and Honey on Instagram, Homestead Hens on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, I will put a link to my website in the show notes like I always do. Um, I hope you will check out my website. I have my blog on there. So I will, um, I always kind of do a rundown of each episode and I share various links. So for this episode, I'm going to have some links up to those heated, different kinds of heated waterers for our chickens. So you can go through and decide what works for you and what doesn't. Um, and yeah, so just find me on social media, send me a message anytime. You can reach me on email at homesteadhensandhoney at gmail.com. Um, I love to hear from you all. Once I am up on iTunes and Google Play, if you could like leave me a review, I would love that so much. Um, oh, and that reminds me, I have had 125 downloads of my podcast. So thank you so much. I am thrilled. Um, I know in the grand scheme of things, that's like, it's not the biggest amount compared to other podcasts, but I am so new and just having... 125 downloads is just wonderful and I'm delighted I just thank you so much to everyone who listens or who has told someone about me or follows me on Instagram or Facebook or Tumblr or wherever thank you so much I really appreciate all of you I have no idea what I'm going to do on my next episode um we've got Thanksgiving coming up so I'm going to have a think and I will have something interesting for you and it will be bee related or chicken related or something to do with homesteading in general like growing our own food so watch this space I will let you know as soon as I know and once again that next episode will be in two weeks so as always thank you so much for listening I appreciate every single one of you and uh, while you wait on my next episode remember hug your hens and then wash your hands bye bye